Welcome to the First Pres Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you'd like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.20, 9.45, and 11.10. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Good morning. If you have a Bible, I would invite you to open it to chapter 25 of Matthew, page 1513 in your Bibles in the pews. We'll begin at verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him And he will separate the people, one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of these, the least of these, my brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, as far as this, your servant departs from your word, may they be quickly forgotten. As far as this, your servant speak your words in truth. We pray that your words will come home to each and every one of our hearts so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, you who are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, what do most of us think about on New Year's Day? Well, we sat there last night thinking about living life with a purpose, thinking and praying about the past, the present, and most of all, the future, looking into 2017. Today's text fits right in with New Year's. It gets us to think about the future but it makes us think about the most important single day in human history's future. The day when Jesus Christ will return, which will result with some some people being eternally separated from God and sent into eternal punishment. Very difficult words to hear. But also, the second coming of Christ will result result for those who believe in him being ushered into his glorious kingdom. It's what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 8.30, those whom he justified, he glorified. 
So brothers and sisters in Christ, I want you to understand as we look today at the past and the present and the future on a New Year's Day, that your salvation is past and present and future. Here's how it works. First, past, you have been saved. If you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have trusted in his precious blood of his atonement. And if you confess with your lips that Jesus Christ is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so, the past, you have been saved, salvation. The present, you are being saved, sanctification. You and I are to become more and more like Jesus Christ every year, every day, every moment. It says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, we, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed from one degree of glory to another through the Lord who is the Spirit. And we're to take that transformed self into the world in which God has placed us. You have been saved salvation. You are being saved sanctification. You will be saved glorification. There will be a day when you will ultimately know God and God will fully know you and you will be in his presence and you will be received fully into his glorious kingdom. You are his beloved. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you whom he has saved, you whom he is saving, and you whom he will save, you are precious to him. And as one of our, his beloved, our beloved, Jesus Christ, is speaking to us through this text today. He's speaking to his church. He's speaking to his beloved. And he's attempting to answer a very lingering question. How does we have been saved and we are being saved result in we will be saved? How, how does that work? And I think in this text today, we're going to find in Matthew 25 that the heart of this is revealed. Now, we've been preaching a series called Beloved. And in that series, we've talked about the fact that the best has come, incarnation. John talked about it. Pastor John talked about the fact that last Sunday we celebrated the first coming, the advent of Jesus Christ. Isn't it interesting when Christmas is on Sunday and New Year's is on Sunday? It kind of, it's a right way to begin the year, isn't it? It's a right way to begin our step into 2017. Well, the best has come, incarnation, but the best has also come, salvation. And what that means is the best has come into you, not just to you, but if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, it says in the Scriptures we've been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. He's come into you. You are indwelt by the living Jesus Christ, by the Spirit of God. So he has come incarnation, he has come salvation, but he's yet to come glorification. Christ is coming again, period. It is going to happen. But in 1 Thessalonians 4.15, there's a, a text I would just like you to listen to the middle of this verse. Here's what it says. We, who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord. That's you. That's me. We're left. I, I, you're breathing. You're still alive. 
until the coming of the Lord. Now, how many of you would like to take a pass on this dying thing? You're kind of like, okay, Lord, come. You know, I'd like you to come today. I'd like you to come before I have to go through this dying thing. I think all of us would say yes, wouldn't we? We want Jesus Christ to come now. Well, maybe in a few weeks. Luke's coming, right? Oh, pray for that little boy. 1 Thessalonians 4.15 says, till the coming of the Lord. Matthew 25.30 says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory. I want you to know that Jesus Christ's return is the Christian's hope. I'd like you to read with me this next verse. It's from Titus. It's the Amplified Version. Would you read it together? Awaiting and confidently expecting the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, the skeptics say we've been saying that for 2,000 years. Now, I also want you to know that the skeptics were also saying, where is the Messiah for 4,000 years? And the skeptics were saying, where are these prophecies that were written 750 years before Jesus Christ came, written in Isaiah and other Old Testament prophets? Where is this this Jesus that's supposed to be born, this Messiah? You see, our God, to our God, a day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. I want you to know that Jesus Christ is coming again. That is your Christian hope, that this this world that we live in and this, this history that we're living, it's not cyclical, it's linear. It's going somewhere, and it's going towards the second coming of Jesus Christ. So, it's our hope. The return of Jesus Christ is the Christian's hope, not the skeptic's hope. And so, let's visit hope for a minute. Because I think you need to understand one thing, and I didn't share it last service, I need to. Hope for a Christian is a noun, not a verb. It is something you have, not something you do. For a Christian, you have this hope, and you hold fast to the confession of your hope without wavering. Christian hope is not a hope that is wistful wishing for an unlikely and improbable future. It is a hope that is a confident expectation of a faithful God's promised future. That's hope. So how do you grow in hope? How do you and I grow in this hope? Well, I, when I became a Christian, the way I grew in hope was I started memorizing God's promises. Have you ever memorized God's promises? Have you ever held fast to some of his promises. By the way, the problem for me was, and maybe for you, is I wanted his faithfulness on my timetable my way. But what I found is this. My God was always faithful to me while remaining faithful to himself. That's the God we love and worship. So again, Christian hope is the confident expectation of a faithful God's promised future. Well, here we come back to the text again. When the Son of Man come, shall come in his glory. But wait, he hasn't come yet. So what are we supposed to do? How should you and I prepare ourselves? 
Well, let's look at the text for just a moment. Turn back to Matthew 25. He talks about sheep and goats. All the nations will be gathered toward him and he will separate the people one from another as shepherds separate the sheep from the goats. In the Bible, there's a lot of divisions. I mean, there's sheep and goats. There's light and darkness. There's wheat and tares. There's narrow way and the wide way. There's children of the day and children of the night. In other words, the scripture is saying there are two kinds of people out there and you and I get to choose which one of those two categories we fall into, which one of those two categories we'd live. And so the question for you and me is, how are we going to live? How should we then live? Well, in Matthew, verse 31, if you have your Bibles, it'd be good to read this one in the King James Version. It says, when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, He shall sit upon His throne of glory. In other words, glory is repeated twice in this verse. In other words, when, when Jesus Christ comes again, the return of the Son of Man, you want glory? That's glory. The problem for me and the problem for you is like we go to Bryce Canyon. And when you go to Bryce Canyon, you look at it and say, this is glorious. And then every morning you wake up and you start driving and you look to the east or you look to the west, depending on which direction you're going, and there to your side is Pikes Peak. And, and you think to yourself, that is glorious. Now, if you're like me, I like going back into the Rockies where all the you know, light goes away and it's really, really dark. And you get back there and you can see the Milky Way. And when you see the Milky Way, you think to yourself, now that is glorious. But I want you to know something. The coming of Jesus Christ, his second coming, is truly glorious. When Jesus Christ comes, he was the creator of Bryce Canyon. He was the creator of Pikes Peak. He was the creator of the Milky Way. And the creator is going to return. That's going to be a pretty glorious day, everyone, for all of us. Now look at verse 32. He took two words in verse 31, and he talked about glory and glory. But verse 32, he has two words he uses here, the same word, separate. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another. A, sheep's, a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Now, I, I was a pastor at College Hill Presbyterian Church, and I had an associate pastor, and he preached on this verse. And this is what he did. He said to the congregation, all of you over here on my left, you're goats. All of you over here on my right, you're sheep. It didn't go over very well with the goats. <laughs> In fact, that's not how it's going to happen. How it's going to happen is Jesus Christ is going to come again. And the, and the issue for you and me is a question, isn't it? He will separate the sheep from the goats. So the big question is, am I a sheep or am I a goat? Am I one of his sheep? Hear this. This is what Jesus Christ says about his sheep and himself. 
John chapter 10, verse 14, he says this. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Now, in the, in the English language, it's, it's the word know, but there's two words in the Greek language for know. One is oida, which means to know about. And the other word is gnosko, which means to have an intimate personal relationship between the one knowing and the one being known. Now, in both these verses, the verse you're seeing now and the one you'll see in just a moment, he uses the word gnosko. He doesn't use the word oida. He didn't. Now, how many of you know George Washington? How many of you know about George Washington? You see, the problem is we could do the same thing with Jesus Christ. We as Christians can know about Jesus. We can come and listen to sermons. We can memorize verses. We can have a Bible study. We can know about Jesus. But that is not what God is talking about. That's not what the Lord is saying. He's saying, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. And so when I talk about this 18-inch migration that I, I, I never give up on, I mean, we Presbyterians, I was one, I am one. We live in our head Where does Jesus Christ live? In our hearts. In the Bible, the heart is the center of the human being, not the head. So the question is, do you know Jesus Christ? Do you know him? And does he know you? And do you have a relationship with him? He goes on in John chapter 17, verse 3, and he says, now this is eternal life, that they know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Here it is again, gnosko. This is eternal life. It isn't something just in the future. It's right now for you and for me to know him and for him to know you. So in 2017, if you've never, ever done this and made this 18-inch migration, this is your opportunity because that's going to separate the sheep from the goats. The people that know Christ and Christ knows, they're his sheep so now, instead of describing his sheep and what they would booing, he's saying, you are being saved, and that relates directly to you will be saved. He says this. Now, I, I thought for a moment, if Jesus Christ says this, listen to this. The king will say to those on his right, come, you're blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Now, wouldn't you expect the very next thing for Jesus to do would be to describe this kingdom, would tell him how wonderful it is, how beautiful it is, how you will be a part of this kingdom. Wouldn't you expect that that kind of motivate his sheep? That's not what he does. What does he do right after this verse? Here's what he does. He says, he says, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me and I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you've done for me. Hmm. The kingdom of God is not pie in the sky. 
The kingdom of God is not the, after the main meal of the world, a dessert for those who are religious. It is not. It is tangible. It is viable. It is not ethereal. The kingdom of God is now. The kingdom of God is here. That's what he's trying to say. The kingdom of God isn't just coming. The kingdom of God has come. And you and I have a a privilege to participate in that kingdom. He says, this kingdom is inheritance given to you. And now he says, okay, now visit the sick and the people in prison and feed the hungry and give food to the poor. And, huh. It's tangible. Mother Teresa was being interviewed by a reporter, and the reporter asked, what is God's greatest gift to you? She replied, the poor. <laughs> As you might expect, the it kind of was perplexing to the, to the reporter, and he said, well, how are the poor a gift to you? She said, I have an opportunity to be 24 hours a day with Jesus. She said, how could she and the other nuns in her order carry out the most difficult and demanding work with the poorest of the poor in Calcutta and the sickest of the sick in the slums? Here's what she said. Listen to what she said. We try to pray through our work by doing it with Jesus, for Jesus, and to Jesus. That helps us put our whole heart and soul into doing it. The dying, the crippled, the mentally ill, the unwanted, the unloved. They are Jesus in disguise. Hmm. The world out there, everyone. Jesus in disguise. So, The church's purpose, I thought maybe as we're moving into 2017, just listen. The church's purpose is to take the best who's yet to come for you and me and present him, the best who has come, Jesus Christ, to our mixed up, broken, needy, satiated, but not satisfied world. But also notice this, that the ones who were serving the lost and lonely in the world were unaware that they were loving Jesus by loving the world. The righteous said, when did we do this? You see, sheep just do what sheep do. And Jesus' sheep just do what Jesus' sheep do. It's kind of like just, this is the way we're Jesus' sheep. This is the way we live in this world. The best who's come to you and me, take him and love the world through Jesus Christ. And what you do is you're going to find that Jesus is already out there. Remember? As you've done it unto the least of these, you've what? Done it unto me. I'm already out there. My presence is already out there, and you get to participate in that presence as you leave this sanctuary. If you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it to me. Love the world that Jesus loves. Love it in the simple ways that's talked about here. Think about it. The simple ways here are not very difficult. He's just asking the basics of us. Big miracles are not happening here in this text. Little ministries are happening here. Precisely in these basic little ministries that the miracle of the big mystery of salvation happens By you taking Jesus to a world that doesn't know Jesus, Jesus can happen in their life. So, 
The only acts that are named are those that are in the reach of everyone and require no theological instruction. Would you hear that again? The only acts that are named are those with the re- within the reach of everyone and require what? No theological instruction. In other words, you don't have to be some theological expert to go out there and find Jesus and be Jesus' presence in the world. The biblical authors, biblical authors got it. Peter got it. He said this, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night since all these things are thus to dissolve. What sort of people ought you to be? In other words, Jesus is coming and and what that should do is motivate us for how we live now. If you've gone further in that, or earlier in that Titus text we looked at earlier, it says this, say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope. In other words, we live our life waiting, but we live. We live. We are to be the sheep of his pasture, the flock of our shepherd, Jesus Christ, and we are to invade the world. I I just used to ask this question. I didn't do it last service, but I will this. What are you going to do with the other 167 hours of your week? Now, think about that. You just came here for what? One hour. Why? To leave. You came here to leave. You didn't come here to stay. You came here to take Jesus out into the 167 hours you have left in your week. That's what this text is all about. It's about Jesus Christ taken by, boy, I did that last service and woke them all up. I'll do it this service. It's taking Jesus out there into the world. The day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. What sort of people ought you to be? The church's purpose is to take the best who's yet to come for you and me and present him the best that has come, Jesus Christ, to our mixed up, broken, needy, satiated, but unsatisfied world. Now take out a piece. There's a little notepad in your pew, and there's a pencil right there. So I want you to take it out, please. A pen or a pencil. By the way, you can nudge your spouse and they can do it, okay? They say if you write something down, you'll remember it 50% of the time. By the way, if you take it from here and go out and tell somebody what you just heard, you'll remember 70%. So here's what I want you to write, because I have four things for you. Two history-altering truths. One, the best, Jesus Christ has come. That was a history-altering truth. When Christ came the first time, everything changed. And the best is yet to come, Jesus Christ, and his second coming will change everything once again. These are two history-altering truths. But there are two life-altering questions. The first is the most important question you will ever answer. Has the best, Jesus Christ, come into your life and into your heart? Do you know, just know about Jesus? Have you been religious but not in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the first, most important life-altering question you'll ever answer. And as we move into 2017, that's the question this text asks. Second, question is this. Will you take the best, Jesus Christ, into your world? 
loving and serving the lost, lonely, broken world in which he has planted you until he comes again. Will you? That's the question Jesus is asking in this text. Will the kingdom that's coming be realized in your life right now? That's what Jesus asks of you and of me. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, thank you that your word will not return void, that you have a heart for your church. You love your sheep, and you know us, and you love us, and we can know you and love you. And so, Lord Jesus, help us to take the love of Jesus Christ out of this sanctuary, out of our home if we're watching on live stream. Take him out into the neighborhood, the workplace, the family, the relatives, the friends that we know, and take the love of Jesus Christ to them. And to Jesus Christ be all the honor and all the glory. Amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at first-prez.org.